Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Praise the Lord, everybody. And it's good to be in the house of God on the first day of the brand new year we're in right now, 2023. It's a great time to be here. It's a great opportunity we have today <clears throat> to worship, praise God, let God know He's first in our lives and nothing else comes before Him. And we just honor Him in all that we do in Jesus' name. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Say it again. Come on. Hallelujah. hallelujah. That sounds good. I, one more last time. Come on. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. How many brought your Bible with you? I hope that you did because I'm going to be talking to you about it. So let's make our confession as we go before the Lord. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed the Word of God, I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah, amen, amen. Well, if you look at my graphic that I put up there, I've taken a text this morning from Isaiah chapter 55, and so you can turn there with me, and I'm going to share some things with you this morning, very simplistic things, I guess you might say, in one regard, and then again, uh, maybe not so simplistic, some very meaningful things that change our lives. I found this out in life. It's not the odd, it's not the way out there, it's not the difficult that usually has an effect on us. The things of God are very simple. It's, it's not hard at all uh, to be into the things of God and uh, to be receiving of the things of God. Uh, but we do have to have the right attitude toward the Bible, the Word of Almighty God. Let me get my little tablet here going. And so the word of Almighty God, we have to have the right attitude toward the Bible, recognizing. How many has a Bible? Raise your hand. Have you got a Bible? Have you got a Bible? Everybody got a Bible? If you don't, if you don't, see me, and I'll make sure that you get one. But uh, we want you to have uh, a Bible. If you have a Bible, you have something more valuable than spending 30 minutes well, with Warren Buffett and learning how to invest in the stock market. And he's one of the most successful investors of all of history. If you have a Bible, you have something worth more than spending an hour with Jeff Bezos. He's the guy that owns Amazon. Is that right? And $200 billion plus. If you've got a Bible, you've got something worth more than listening to him talk to you and tell you, hey, he did it for 30 minutes. If you've got a Bible, you've got the best physician physically in all of the United States of America. Somebody say amen. If you've got a Bible, you've got the cure to what ails mankind in every form and every fashion. If you've got the Bible, I mean, I got my vaccine. Somebody said been vaccinated. Yes, I have. Psalms chapter 91 is my vaccination. And it works perfectly. Has never, ever failed. And so I'm thankful for that. But, you know, you, you can get into the Word of God, whether it's healing or whether it's blessing or prosperity, and you think about the things that God has blessed us with uh, financially. His Word is so true. He, he makes it a reality in our lives. He provides for all of our needs. Uh, the, the Bible says that Jesus became poor that we might become what? That we might become rich. And so in every form and every fashion, there it is. It's nothing new. In fact, this has been around in this edition that you and I have maybe for right around a couple thousand years. So it's nothing new, nothing different than what's already been out there. You don't have to go rediscover something or create something and bring something to the earth that's not here. It's already here. All you have to do is become what James tells us is a doer of the word. 
Faith is acting on the Word of God. In the words of Gene Lingerfield. Faith is acting on the Word of God. What is faith? It is when you act on the Word of God. When you not only know it and have the instruction book, but you apply it. Earlier uh, this year, in, fa- in fact, this might have been a, a few months back, I guess it was. I forgot when it was. But we had bought uh, Naomi a little car that she could put her feet in and, you know, and push herself around, a little red and orange car. And uh, it came in, and so it was out in the garage, and Sheila said, well, yeah, it's in the box, but the wheel's not on it, the, the steering wheel's not on it, the top's not on it, the door's not on it. Got to put it together. I said, no problem. Let's put it together. And Sheila said to me immediately, and this is just a few months ago, and she said to me immediately, she said, well, you want to read instructions? I said, nah. <laughs> I don't need to read no instructions. Sheila, that was an insult to me. I don't need to read instructions. I put the whole thing together, every bit of it. And I came up with a few extra parts that go in before the last part I put on, before the last part, before the last part, before the last part. So I basically had to disassemble that car to put those two parts back in and put it in. And if I had done two things... One more important than the other. One, listen to Sheila. I mean, that's the most important part. Secondly, read the instructions she pointed toward. I, I wouldn't have to spend another 45 minutes putting that little car together. Right? Now, that's the simple thing in life. And, you know, you and I can get by 45 minutes and, you know, we can spend the time and she, she's worth that much and much more. But there are some things in your life that it will amount to your life and death. There's some things in, uh, in your life that if you don't apply them to you, 2023 will be a terrible year for you. There's some things that you can do financially that the world's taught you about. If you do that, 2023 is going to be terrible. But you can do some things the Bible talks about financially, and 2023 will be, like we say many times, have a prosperous new year. But it only works when you put it into practice and you do what the Bible tells you to do. It doesn't work any other way. There's no magical thing about it. It's a set and a list of principles, instructions that God has put together and given to us for the plan of our life and how we should live it. It's not difficult at all. So I want to get us into, if I have anything to accomplish in this day's service before we get out today at 3.30, if I have anything to accomplish today, it's this. I want you, one, is to be interested in your Bible like never before. I want you to have a hunger, a thirst, and a desire that's going to go past the next 45 minutes of the service. It's going to go past that and going to lead you to do something about this afternoon and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next. Because there is enough in this Bible of wisdom and instruction and knowledge and principle that you can take and apply. You're not going to get it all in just a few minutes. You're not going to get it all in just a day or so. My, I've been studying the Scriptures since October of 1975. And that's quite a few years from, from there to here. What's that, 48 years, I guess, uh, to get us to where we're at right now. And there's still many things in Scripture. You say, do you know it all? Of course not. I don't know it all. But I found some things here, and I found some things there, and sort of began to apply those in my life. A few things I've looked at, and I said, hmm, I'm scratching my head a little bit. But, you know, it's still the Word of God, and I'm still going to try to apply it. But it's a lifetime endeavor. It's, it's, it's like some people say when they got out of high school, well, I'm glad I'm done with that. I don't have to go to study anymore. If you did that... Then and you're still trying to type on a typewriter, you out of a job. Right? You should have moved on to that computer. And so if you just stop wherever you were at, you know, you, you've got to continue studying to advance. And the same thing is true with the Word of God. The Bible says Second Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen. There it was, it just popped up. Second Timothy two, verse fifteen says, Study to show thyself to prove unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so it takes time to study the Word of God, not just in moments or seconds of time, but it takes an endeavor of your life, lifelong studying the Word of God. Never going to finish, never going to quit, never going to end. Stay with it. It's there forever. All right, let's get into my text. If you notice, I've got that beautiful Bible there that's up there, and I'll maybe say something about that in here in just a moment. But... uh, in Isaiah 55, verse 10, the Bible says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, uh, and, and I've got a different translation up there, uh, which I'm not memorized as, as such, 
But for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and, uh, and a little light on that and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to either. So shall my word be that goeth forth from my mouth and it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereinto I sent it. That is God's promise from Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. God has made a promise. He's given us an analogy. He says just like it rains and water comes down, and it causes the earth. It forces the earth, if you will. It commands the earth to bring forth and bud. Water makes it happen. You can have all the earth you want to have, all the seed you want to have, no water, no harvest, no crop. And so water, rain coming out makes it happen. It forces it to take place. And then when you see the rest of it, 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 it brings forth, it buds, it gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater. Two things you ought to do with everything that comes to your life. One is sow some of it, seed to the sower. If you don't, you won't have anything next year. So sow some, and then eat some. There's bread for the eater. Enjoy some. Don't enjoy everything. Uh, I was thinking just a, a couple of days ago about people having, you know, windfall, profit, or something come to their life where they get a lot of money. What are they going to do with it? Well, you know, there's a lot of things you ought to do if you get money. Think about what order do you have these things in. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, spend some of it. I'm going to... Uh, sow some of it or save some of it, spend some of it, save some of it, and invest some of it. And, and really, what order you have that in will tell if you'll be wealthy in life or not. Amen. If the first thing you think about if I got money is spend, you're probably not going to be wealthy. If the first thing you think about money when you think about getting windfall money, if you said, well, I'm going to invest, you're probably going to be very wealthy. And though the order that you put those priorities in will determine where you go financially in life. And, and so the Word of God forces things to happen in planet earth. Now he says this, look at what he says in verse 11. He says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. In other words, God's word is like the rain. The rain makes the earth bring forth. Well, God's word makes things happen too. And so I know that if I sow the Word of God, plant the Word of God, I'm going to get a harvest of whatever the Word of God said because He said it will not return to me void. It will accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. It will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. How many says that you have a Bible? You got a Bible? If you do and you're able to do so, for example, I'm just giving you a little thing here. In Isaiah that I'm reading here, Isaiah uh, 55 and uh, we'll sort of break this down a little bit more in just a moment. Verse 10. And we notice that the scripture tells us there. Uh, verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth with my mouth. It shall not return to me void. And I just sort of tap void. It's going to tell me that the Hebrew word uh, that is translated void there, which I don't commonly every day speak Hebrew. Took it in, in seminary, but I don't speak Hebrew. Very, nobody does, except Jewish folks, of course. And they, they do not speak biblical Hebrew. There's a different kind they speak. But anyway, uh, we can go through the Hebrew dictionaries, and they'll tell us what's going on. And it talks about that word void means vain. It means empty. It means without effect. In other words, there is cause and effect in the earth. There's a, there, behind everything, every effect, there's a cause. Something caused that to happen. When the rain hit the earth, it caused it to bring forth. When the Word of God is planted in your life, it will cause something. There's an effect to the Word of God in your life. And, then, and so when, when we see that in Scripture, we recognize that, that I'm planting the Word of God in my life. It's going to affect something. It's going to cause something to happen. It's just like the rain. And what you really need to do is set your faith there to where you believe that the Word of God might, that you believe at least the Word of God will do what the rain does, which that's the analogy we're given there. But you ought to have more confidence that the Word of God is going to bring forth than you even do that the earth is going to bring forth. Because sometimes in the earth, if you, if you don't manage your crop successfully, uh, you might not get very much of a harvest, sometimes 30, sometimes 60, sometimes 100-fold, sometimes less than that. But with the Word of God, if you manage it effectively, it's always going to bring forth abundantly in your life. And you need to be convinced of that. What I need to do, if I have a problem in life, what I need to do is go get this Bible. And when I get this Bible, when I get it, there's my answer. And I've got to find what my answer is to my circumstance, my situation, and then I'm going to plant it into my life. 
over the years of my life, the times, in fact, the many hundreds of hours that I've spent with this book right here to my chest and walking in my study just like this. Thank you, Lord God, your word is so. I know what you said in the Bible. You spoke it to me. It's going into my life in Jesus' name. Mind, you've just got to change in Jesus' name. Body, you've got to come into alignment with what the word says about you in Jesus' name. Because we're not changing the word of God. So, Leon, you're the one that's got to change. And and what I'm doing is planning the Word of God in my life. Whatever subject or scenario of life I'm in at that time, whatever subject I'm at that, I'm planning that Word in my life. By stripes you're healed, Leon. In Jesus' name, by stripes you are healed. It's not basically on everything else that's going on around planet Earth, but it's by the stripes of Jesus you're healed. And if, if He says that I was, then I am. And so I'm healed from the top of my head to the very tips of my toes. Somebody say amen. Well, that's planning the Word on the inside of me. Now, again, somebody said, well, I tried that one time. You know what? I didn't feel a bit better. It's the same thing as somebody said, I planted a seed in the ground, and I kept looking at it for about five seconds. I ain't seen nothing. Well, the seed has a season of time to come to pass, doesn't it? And the Word of God has the same thing in your life. If your body and your life and your mind, your spirit is all full of weeds... And they're tall and big and mighty, and you just drop a little seed in, it's going to take a little time before you even see anything, and you're probably going to have to push some of the weeds back to see anything. And, and so the Word of God works, and it works really, really, really well. But if you're new to some of this stuff, it might take you a while before you see some of your harvest coming forth. If you've got a financial circumstance in your life where you owe everybody in the world, and you know you've got debt, 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 and you're believing God to get out of debt, 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 debt. Well, you know what? It, it might have took you years to get into all that debt. And it may take you just a little bit of time to get out of all that debt. It was in 2007 that Sheila and I, when we were in debt, 2007, and been in debt ever since we got married. First debt we had was $300, and we managed to increase it all along since then. And so we got to 2007 and said, we don't be in debt anymore. When, when we said that, and I said, I'm not going to be in debt anymore. The Bible tells me I planted that seed, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 6, that, that said the borrower, he is slave to the lender. And I kept planting that in my heart, my life, and I said, mm, I ain't going to be slave to nothing. I ain't going to be slave to nobody. I ain't certainly going to be slave to money. And so I'm, I'm, I don't borrow anymore. I told Sheila, we don't borrow anymore. In 2007, we, 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 we stopped borrowing. We stopped borrowing. A.J. entered his first year of college at that time. First year at a private college here in South Carolina, Presbyterian College. They wanted $54,000 a year. And I went in down there and told them what our circumstance was. And they immediately handed me the loans for AJ, the loans for me. Everybody had loans. We all got loans, they said. And I said, I'm not, I'm not doing any loans. I said, no, we're not doing any loans. They said, well, how are you going to pay for this? I said, I'll pay for it. Don't worry about it. We'll pay for it. They said, you got the money right now? No, we don't have the money right now, but we will have but we will have. Don't be concerned about it. We're not borrowing any money. We'll just go ahead and take this. You don't have to pay it back till four years and you can get it deferred. don't matter. I'm not borrowing it. Well, the interest rate is very low. I don't care if the interest rate is zero. I'm not borrowing it. Amen. I don't borrow money. I don't borrow money. I don't care what. Rates don't mean nothing. I'm not borrowing no money. And we made that decision and we started trusting and believing God and we saw ourselves work ourselves out of about $120,000 in debt that we had, paid all that off, paid us $54,000 for that first year, the second year, third year, fourth year, graduated in debt free and we got out of debt from 2007. It took us to 2013 to get that 120 gone and by 2013 we were completely out of debt. Then we took all that money that we paid all that debt on and we started investing it. And from 2013 until now, we don't have a financial care in this world. We can leave this place today and go get on a plane and fly anywhere in the world we want to fly. Stay as long as we want to stay, come back when we want to come back. It doesn't matter. We, we just do not have financial situations, financial problems. The Lord has made us rich. Basically, since that time to this time. But all we did was what the Bible said to do. The Bible told us in the book of Matthew, it told us there that when we have something, that we are to take that money and we're to save. And as we begin to save, we saw the miracle happen and it began to increase, increase, increase. He that hath shall more be given. And it was given and given and given. It just won't stop. It just will not stop. It just continues. And it's like a snowball effect. Just like you use the debt snowball to get out of debt, you use the investment snowball to increase in uh, finances and increase in wealth. And it happens. It's not a hard thing. But it never happened to us. 
until we applied that word to our life. I was saved. I was a Christian. We knew the verse of Scripture. We loved God. We, we lived frugally in our life. We didn't spend a lot of money. didn't get way outlandish and things. But we still were in debt. And it never happened to us until we applied the word. And so no matter what I tell you about the word of God here today, it will never happen to you until you put it to affect your life. It won't happen. It won't happen for you until you begin to apply it for your life. But when you do, you'll see the miracle of God's anointing come on that word in your heart, your life, and it'll bring forth abundantly. Whatever circumstance or area you're in in your life, it don't have to be finances. It can be physical. It can be, you know, healing. It can be marital. It can be relationship. It can be all kinds of things in your life. You've got to apply the word of God for it to do something and for it to work in your life. Okay. All right. Let me sort of get a little bit further into where I need to be. Let's get simple. Because our world today is trying to take us away from things. If you listen to some seminaries today, and I graduated seminary, okay? Um, didn't get to go until I was 38 years old because we were born in poverty. And uh, we didn't have anything. We didn't have nothing. And so when we got married at 18, still had nothing. We lived with my dad for like six years. We had nothing. And so, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so finally, in, 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 uh, we went, uh, I went to seminary in 1990, I believe it was, started, graduated in 98. It took seven years. How come it took seven years for a three-and-a-half-year program? Because I had to go part-time because I still had to work. So I know what it means to sacrifice and, and, and not borrow money. and know what it means to sacrifice and, and do things and make things happen in your life. Sometimes you have to do that. You have to do that. And we did. We did. We did because we were foolish the way we handled our money. But we, we, we did it. And, and so what I want you to recognize is this. In the day and age we live in now, in some seminaries they teach, uh, don't share Scripture like we share it. I mean, that right here is, is pushing it by about a whole verse right there. More than they feel like the average American congregation can have stand, if they can stand half a verse or a verse of Scripture. I mean, don't say a whole lot. Get you some illustrations. Get something about, you know, get one about a sick dog dying. That's always good for, you know, a few tears. Uh, get one about this. Get one about that. Or get you, read something in the illustration out of the Reader's Digest. Or, you know, find you a little something somewhere uh, that you can talk about and where people can understand it. And people, you know, their mentality, they would say, way down here, they don't have a biblical understanding. They don't know things about the Bible. It's a secularized community. And they don't know. So, so you can't give them, can't give them any, any real word at all. But you do that, and all you're going to have is man's solutions to your problems. Man's solutions won't fix your problems. They're already in the problem. Don't get somebody that's doing it bad and doing it wrong and listen to them tell you how to do it. All they can tell you is the bad and wrong they got. That's all they know. And so what we need to realize is this. You need in your life to have a Bible. One more time. How many people have a Bible? Raise your hand at me. Raise your hand. How many people got a Bible? All right. All right. You got a Bible. Okay. You got a Bible. You need to make that Bible your number one investment into your life. God forbid that you would go out and, and buy a nice dinner or a nice supper or something like that that costs more than your Bible costs. Because I can't afford to buy a Bible. I can't afford to buy a good quality Bible. When Sheila and I first got married, the first Bible we bought... I had a choice. One was 95 cents and the other was a dollar and five. We didn't know. We got saved in October 1975. I went to Lawrence and I went to Ben Franklin's Five and Dime. There was another one on the other side. I think it was called Eagles Dime Store. There were two dime stores. Okay. And we went into one on one side of the building and looked, and they had a Bible, black Bible, with red edges. You know, it's just your cheap. Giveaway Bible. We don't do that here at church, but some churches do. It's cheap. And I'm not trying to say them anything about churches. But, but anyway, just a cheap giveaway Bible. I didn't know. It didn't have any references in it. It didn't have a corn quarters. It didn't have any maps. It didn't have nothing but the text. And it looked like it was printed on day-old bread or something. I mean, it, it really looked awful when we first got it. I said, well, let's go see what the other stores got. So we went to the other dime store, and they had one. I said, hmm. There's a big difference from 95 cents to a dollar and a nickel. So I walked back and looked at the other one again. After about two or three walks from dime store to dime store, we went ahead and bit the bullet and bought the one for a dollar five. <laughs> we didn't know no better. And I got it, and that was my Bible for a few months. And then, and then I had a preacher, we realized we got saved. He said, what you need is a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. I said, tell me about it. And he said, oh, it, it's got references, 100,000 references everywhere. And uh, it's got 
great cross-references. It's got different subject index in the back. It's got maps. It's got this. It's got that. And that's what you need. I, mm, it sounds like what I want. How much are those? In those days, those were about $54. I said, all right, I'm going to get me one. It took me about half a week's salary. I made $2.25 an hour. Two twenty-five an hour times 40. Two fours, 80, about $90. It took me half a week's salary to buy that Thompson Chain Reference Bible. That's one reason I didn't put my name on it. But anyway, it took half a week's salary, and we bought that Thompson Chain. And I used it for a number. Why? Because I knew the most important thing in my life was what God was saying to me. And any kind of helps, any kind of spiritual material that I can invest in myself, it's something that I need to do. It's more important than anything else in our lives. It's, it's more important. And over the years, I bought another Bibles, another Bibles in 75, and then I came across that Dake Bible that uh, uh, you hear me say about a few times. And I bought me a, a Dake's Annotated Reference Bible because it was spirit-filled and it talked about healing and prosperity and it talked about prophecy and faith and everything just like I understood it. And it was great. And so, so I, I got that Bible and uh, began to get it and get into studying. I carried it many, 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 many years. I still have it right now on my tablet. Every bit of it's right here. And uh, I, I still, you know, cherish that. In fact, I've had dozens of them over the years, given away dozens of them. And then bought other Bibles, and I see another Bible that's nice. I've got one now, Zondervan. This is one like the Brother Copeland uses. This is a Zondervan uh, Bible that I use. And uh, I bought it, and I've got three of these. When I, when I bought it, I mean, it's leather and everything, I bought one for my desk, one for my side of my bed, and one for carrying my briefcase. And so I bought three new ones to do that with. So I always have, because I want one everywhere I go. I don't want to, you know, carry it in the room. It's always there. And, and so uh, I did that. And now I guess I about, in, in those editions right there, I probably got 125 Bibles right now. Maybe not counting electronic Bibles and computerized stuff like that. AJ looked at my library and he says, Daddy, what you got here is not a library. You got a museum. He said, nobody don't use books anything like that anymore. He said, you got to be, well, it may be a museum to me. But and most of that stuff now is on computer. I understand that. All I'm saying about that is this. You need to make the Bible the very best investment that you can make in your life. Let me just say just a, one little something about the Bible. I'm nowhere in Sunday morning. Give me the Bible translations. Give me the Bible translations graphic. I've got one that's sort of rainbowish. Oh, I shouldn't say that word. Now, that's a straight one. Uh, well, let's say it again. Rainbow and straight goes together. But anyway, the, the one, there you go. What kind of Bible do you need? Because I hear people talking about all kind of Bible, and there are all kind of translations. And there are all kind of Bibles out there. They got Bibles for everything. They got the men's Bible. Every single one of those got the women's Bible. Got the daughter's Bible. Got the son's daughter. They got the businessman's Bible. They got this Bible. They got that Bible. Bible for different days of the week. Bible for journaling. Bible for this. They just got all kind of Bibles out there. What kind of a Bible do you need in your life? Let me give you just a couple of things to break a few things down. When you look at translations of the Bible, there's a lot. What kind of translation? I use the King James because it's the most accurate in all the world. I use it because it's very technical. I use it because these and thous and ye and you mean something. When you see a thee and a thou, you're talking about singular in the King James. When you see the wise and the use, you're talking about plural in the King James. Other Bibles just have all you. You don't know whether it's singular or you don't know whether it's plural. That's why I do. Now, I realize today that people say, oh, the King James is archaic and we all can't understand it. You could if you read it. I said the same thing about the first computer manual I got. It was back in 1984, I believe, 85. I bought a computer. It was an XT computer. It had 20 meg hard drive. Now, I mean, that ain't nothing. That's nothing. I bought a CD-ROM to go with it. I do a little Bible search. It'll only take three minutes for the search to come up. And uh, the thing is, and it had two manuals in it, each of them about 800 pages long. I looked at them, and I began to see the wording. I didn't have a clue what it said. It was all written in English. I didn't understand it. You know why? Because I never read a computer manual before. Some people approach the Bible and say, I can't understand the Bible. It's too hard to understand. I know why. You haven't read it. Get into it. It is line upon line, precept upon precept, the Bible tells us. Everything builds off something else. And the more you read it, the better understanding you have. What kind of Bible should you get? You should get you a Bible that is word for word. This is on, on, on the left-hand side. 
In other words, when the translation, our Bible is written, you know, contrary to what some people think, the Bible was written in the Old Testament Hebrew and some parts of it written in Aramaic, all Semitic languages. And then the New Testament written in Greek, Koine Greek, the language of the people of the day. Greek and Hebrew is basically what you're going to see the Bible written into. And so any Bible we got today is translated from that Greek and that Hebrew text. Okay? Now, when we talk about a word-for-word Bible, you take one where someone goes in and gets the word, for example, agape. Agape is a Greek word. It means the love of God. Okay? That's what it means. It's, 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 and so you want one, a word-for-word, that translates the word agape to the word love. Because that's what it means, love. You don't want it to say, and it had a good feeling about you. Could that include love? Well, it could. It could. But that's not the translation. What that would be would be a paraphrase. Now, so somewhere in there, all of these Bibles, I probably got every translation you see up there. I got all of them, probably. Yeah, I do. I do. And so if you come out here the word for word, you're going to find a Bible interlinear. That's where it's got the Greek and Hebrew right below the words itself. You see them both on the page. Probably not want that. I don't know why they put it there, but they did. The New American Standard Bible, the Amplified Bible, another one. The uh, English uh, Standard Bible or version, ESV. The RSV, the Revised Standard Version, and the KJV, and then the New King James right next to it. And then the Holman has recently come out one. That's the Holman Christian Standard Bible a few years ago. And then the New Revised Standard Version. Then you've got the New American Bible that's there. Uh, the ML, uh, New JB is a New Jerusalem Bible. The NIV, we joke about that, call it the Nearly Inspired Version. But the NIV, the TNIV, that would be today's New International Version. Uh, and I'll say some, about some of those. And you keep on going to the left, uh, uh, the New Little Translation or New Living Translation, uh, the NIRV, New International Reader's Version. That's where they dumb it down, make it so simple that, you know, it's, you don't recognize it anymore. Uh, the Good News uh, Translation, uh, Contemporaneous Version, the Living Bible, the Message. Now, what I will do, I will use a standard, solid, word-for-word Bible. I want to know exactly what it says. But maybe I don't quite understand it. It hadn't quite clicked in my mind yet. Then I will go right. And I will look at some of these others and I will ask them, you know, what are they saying about the same text? And can they give me some ideas about what I've just read? And I'll go that direction. I may go all the way out here to the Living Bible. That's been out, what, since the 60s. And uh, the Living Bible there, maybe that one, or the Message Bible by Eugene Peterson. I met him. And uh, the Message Bible by Eugene Peterson is about there, one of the most recent ones. There's another one not up there called God's Word. It's, it's very good, too, God's Word. But they're all paraphrased. They all just tell a story about the Bible. Uh, put up the other graphic that I had that was right before that. If you look at it, it sort of lets you know what's happening. A word-for-word Bible is most often used for in-depth study and personal development. If you really want to study the Bible, we're going to get you one that's one of those word ones. I mean, it's, it's a, we call it a wooden translation. Get you one that is word-for-word translation. You're not ready for a paraphrase yet until you've conquered that. Second one is a thought for thought. That's some of these in the middle that you see. Holman Christian Standard, uh, New Revised Standard, New American Bible, NIV. And if you want to paraphrase on the right, uh, most often used for devotional. If you're sort of getting ideas and thoughts, and they're good for that. I, I, I do have paraphrases. You hear me quote from them. You hear me quote from the others. And uh, you can go back to my overhead that I've got for the whole thing. But you need to get you a good quality Bible. So what are you taking all this time for? Your Bible says, well, no, I'm not. My name is Bible, but I'm not a Bible salesman. But you need to get you a good quality Bible because it means your life. And you don't need to get something somebody's messed with. And let me tell you something. The newer the Bible is, I'm talking about a translation. The newer, some of these that up here, for, for example, uh, God's Word, the Message Bible, they've been done in the last 10, 15, 20 years. The newer the Bible is, the more likely it's been messed with. Okay? Somebody said, well, there's modern contemporary scholarship that we've learned things now that we didn't know then. Well, you didn't learn that a man's not a man anymore and a woman's not a woman anymore. But some of the newer versions, in fact, I'm not going to say who it was, but one of the paraphrased versions I've talked about was called on the carpet by the Bible believers of the world because of his translation, and he left out some of that stuff about men, women, relationships, homosexuality, all this kind of stuff. And he changed the word here and tweaked the word there, and all of a sudden you get a different meaning. All I'm saying is, could somebody recently, I'm recent, I'm right down here, I'm not archaic yet, I'm recent right here. 
Here's somebody right now have good scholarship and be very good about in translation of scriptures and we do them around the world because there's 200 native nations, many different dialects. And so could they be good? Right? There could be. There could be. All I'm saying is that's just something to put your antenna up on. If it's been done lately, it may have very well been messed with. So the newer the translation, the commentary, the reading, the writing, the book, the newer it is, hmm, the bigger questions you ought to have about it. And you can go all the way, all the way back. The further back you get, the less. Every generation gets successfully wor- uh, su- worse, just continually, successively worse. Every generation does. And, and, and so it happens that way as well. So then, look at your, and another thing too, now what? Paper or digital? Paper or digital? I'm going to give you two thoughts on it, you can have your own. Paper or digital? If I'm going to research the Bible, how many times in the Bible does it talk about this? Where in the Old Testament it says this, such as a concordance? We used to have these things called Strong's, it's also concordance. Don't need one anymore because it's all right here. All you got to do is put right here and you search and you type in the word you're searching for. And I just put in the word lender and it tells me in Proverbs 23, 7, the rich rules over the poor, the borrower servant to the lender. I did that in about three seconds. If I had been at my study 30 years ago, what I had done, I said, where does it talk about borrowing and lending at? I'd go and got me this Strong's and Soft Concordance that I have. It's about the size of a, some of you don't remember, as I said, I don't need to tell people this anymore, but it's about the same size as a serial book catalog. Now, for you that don't know what that is, it's the old version of the Internet. Okay? But the serial book catalog or the Jason... That's how big a strong concordance was. It was big. It was thick. And you leaf through there until you finally found this reference in this place. And there you got it. Then you'd go get your Bible, open your Bible, and look at it. There you'd be. And you'd have it. So it's doing the same thing we do today. It just wasn't as fast. It takes about a couple minutes to do that, whereas you can do it instantly uh, on a digital. So, so digital Bibles are great. I love digital Bibles. I've got one here. I've got one here. I, I've got in our home, we have one, two, uh, three, four computers in our home. All of them have Bibles on them, every single one of them. Uh, Sheila's got a digital Bible. I got one. All God's children got a digital Bible. We got digital Bibles. <laughs> we love digital Bibles. Here's my experience, though, with a digital Bible. I don't remember things as well from a digital Bible as I do from a regular Bible. I just don't. In a digital Bible, every page looks the same. Every page looks the same. In a paper Bible, they don't. In a paper Bible, I can tell you where some scriptures is because I memorized them. Some of them because the Lord brings it to my mind. Others of them, I just remember where it was on the page. That was on the, I remember it was reading in the, the book of Acts. Seemed like that was at the bottom of the page on the right. I'll open my Bible to the book of Acts and I see a page and I look over it right. Yeah, there it is. Maybe a, one a little lower, a little higher than I thought, but it's right, right there on the right. I remember I saw it on the page. Digital Bibles don't have these kind of pages. Everything looks exactly the same on a digital Bible. You're seeing everything right in the middle of the digit. It's all there. Now, you know, with a digital Bible, you can make it bigger. If you have problems seeing, you can make it smaller. You can do all kinds of stuff. And when you do that, you just change where everything laid out once again when you made it bigger or smaller because it's never on a page anyway. But then it made it even more difficult. And so what I have found, and there is some research out there, that we ourselves, by getting a Bible and flipping through it and turning the pages and finding something and then reading it, we tend to retain more, and this is the research, tend to retain more from a paper Bible than we do from a digital Bible. I mean, in a paper Bible, it took you a little bit of time to find it. You better read it and find out what's going on. In a digital Bible, you hit that, go right to another, right to another, right to another, right to another. So make your own decision about that, but you need a good Bible, whatever it is. Get, get you a, a good download online. There's a lot of them out there. A lot of them are free. They start out base levels free. I use the Olive Tree Bible. I met the guy many years ago. He's a great guy. And the Olive Tree Bible is a very good Bible. I use it. There's others out there. Logos has got one. I got Logos as well. And there's other places out there. It used to be Word Search. It used to be different people that had digital Bibles, all kind of stuff, the U version. There's just tons of them out there now. But, but get you a good digital Bible. And you might even say, more than the free, you may have to buy some components to add on it. Because maybe it doesn't give you that Hebrew and Greek that I just popped in and showed it to you. You might have to pay a little extra for that. That's okay. It's worth it. It's worth whatever you have to pay. Buy some quality things that, that advance your digital Bible and make it good for you. 
And let's get you that paper Bible. Get this. What you're going to do, as AJ talked about, if you're stranded on a desert island and you fall out of that UPS truck or what was it, the FedEx truck or the guy, that whoever it is, Tom Hanks that went to that island, I don't know, and, and, you, and, you, fell out on, and you fell out there and you fell out with your digital Bible, you're going to be good and safe about a week and a half until the battery runs down. <laughs> right? Then you ain't got a clue what God's saying. You better memorize fast and memorize quick because your battery's going dead. But if you got your paper Bible... If you got your paper Bible, you can have it as long as you keep it dry and don't let it get wet. All right? You, you can still have it. Okay. So then, get, get your good Bible. Now then, don't let the Bible be such a mystery to you. I mean, well, let me, let me get right here and show you something. Okay. In the Bible, you, you know what? It's divided in the middle, right? Somebody tell me what's in the back of the Bible and what's in the front. What do we call those? There's the, in the back, before the book of Matthew, what's all those books back there called? They're called what? Old Testament, right? What would the other books in the front be called? They're called New Testament. Your Bible is divided right in the middle. As a Christian church, we take everything in the New Testament for us, the Christian people, and that is our laws, commands, principles, everything. That's what we live by. But the Old Covenant was what the Jewish folks lived by from the time of, uh, the time of uh, Adam all the way up to the end of the book of Malachi. And just before the coming of Christ. They live by the Old Covenant. And there's a lot of good stuff in the Old Covenant we need to read, understand. No, got a good, wonderful promises back there, those kind of things. But we don't live by that because we don't, if we did, none of us would be at church today. Because you would have went further than a Sabbath day's journey. You can't do that on a Sabbath day, which Sunday's not Sabbath day anyway. It would have been Saturday and we'd all been in church yesterday rather than today. And so we live by the New Testament as our rule of faith and conduct. That's the New Testament. We look at the Old Testament for history. We look at the Old Testament for principle of God and character and nature of God. We look at all that in the Old Covenant. There's a wonderful things to live by back there. But we're not paying attention to how many strands are in our church, whether we have polyester on or whether we don't or whether we have on. We, we don't have to do that anymore. And, and so the law is done away in Christ, and Christ has now given us a new commandment that so he has given us in the new. But the old is, is done away. We, we could look at that, but we won't right now. And so in this Old Covenant, you've got 39 books that are back there. In the New Testament, you've got 27. You have, it's only 1,189 chapters. 1,189 chapters is what you got. 31,102 verses is what you have. 783,137 words in the whole book. There's 1,260 promises in all of the Bible. 6,468 commands. 3,296 questions are found in the Bible. Over 8,000 Prophetic predictions are in the Bible. Largest book in the Bible. Somebody tell me the largest book in the Bible. What is it? You know. What's the largest book in the Bible? What's got most in it? Psalms. The book of Psalms is the largest book in the Bible. 150 chapters, but more than that, words, chapters, everything. It just ain't nothing bigger than the Psalms. What is the smallest book in the Bible? You know. If you know about healing and prosperity and you know uh, uh, about being saved, you know that one real well because it's Third John. 3 John 2, that we quote so many times. 3 John, the smallest book, longest chapter is Psalms 119. That's when you reading your three chapters a day took you an extra 30 minutes. It's a long chapter. The shortest chapter is Psalms 117. Well, you could go into all this. And another thing, too. The, the chapters were not even divided up until the date here is 1227. So the chapters being in here didn't come until almost 800 some odd years ago. They weren't even in here. So you went, when Paul, that's why you never heard Paul say, now get the Old Testament Torah, the law, and turn to Ezekiel chapter 38. They never said that. It wasn't divided into chapters. Okay? That happened then. The English Bible that you and I got, listen to this. Ah, you ought to love this thing. The English Bible that we got, the first one that came in English, not really what's real English like I speak, but English like most English people speak, was in 1380 by John Wycliffe. You may have heard of the Wycliffe Society, the Wycliffe Bible. Listen to this. He died, uh, he was born in 1330 and he died 1384. He only lived 54 years old. Imagine that. He had 54 years of life. Some of us are older than that today. And he had 54 years of life. And in his 54 year life, he left us a Bible that we can read and understand. My, my. What else did he need to do? That was quite a bit, wasn't it? Well, they hated him for it. 
Roman Catholic Church hated him. We only have Bibles in Latin around here. We don't want English. If you give the common man the Bible, he can't understand it. And he'll make a mess of things. So we'll read it in Latin and tell them what it means. They don't need a Bible. Oh, that Reformation period, you ought to study that. But, but John Wycliffe there, what happened? They were so mad at him for giving us the English Bible. He died in 1384. And it was 42 years later, they dug his body up and burned him at the stake. At the, that, that's, that's pretty mad, isn't it? They couldn't stand him, man. Made them so mad that Bible was starting getting around and going places and people were reading it, understanding it. And Martin Luther comes along, hey, man, the just shall live by faith. Doesn't have to do with all these indulgencies and all these kind of things you guys are doing. No. Oh, they hated that. Hated it so bad they dug the man's body up and bones up and burned him again at the stake. All right. Let's, let's look. Let's look just a little bit. This Bible that you've got, this, this instruction book that you've got, turn with me to Acts chapter 17 and let me show you something there. Acts 17. And look at about verse 10. Paul complimented some people. He, he was in Thessalonica and he was preaching. Paul the apostle. And as he was, they didn't like what he was saying. And it's actually the, in the synagogue of the Jews. The Jewish people said, Paul, you turn this world upside down, man. We want you out of here. And several times he was running out of town, and other times he was beaten, and he was stoned, and he was whipped, and he was shipwrecked. He gives a whole list of stuff that happened to him in, in 1 Corinthians 12, I believe it was. And so all these kind of things that he did happened to him. And the uh, disciples said, you better get out of town because these people are going to kill you. So he said, okay, maybe that's a better course of valor for me to leave. And he did. And he goes over to a town called Berea. Now, it's not up in Greenville. It's just over in Europe. So he goes to Berea there. And uh, Acts 17.10, when he came uh, by night unto Berea, he came there to the synagogue of the Jews. Now, he just left the synagogue of the Jews, where they hated him, couldn't stand him, were about to kill him. And now he comes to this synagogue of Jews. And he says this about these Jewish folks. Verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. What, what, how's that, Paul? In that, they received the word with all readiness of mind. The other group, when Paul was teaching to them the word of God and the revelation that God had given him, they were closed-minded. I don't want to hear it. There's a lot of people like that today. My grandma did it that way, and I'll do it the same way to the day I die. I ain't changing nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Anybody ever met anybody like that? Don't look around in church this morning. Don't look around. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with readiness of mind. For this thing to work for you, you've got to be ready to receive it. When it tells you something about you that you don't like, you don't change the Bible and write you another translation. You change you. I'm the one that's got to change. When I see something here that I don't like, don't understand, don't, don't agree with, all that kind of stuff, and look at all these kind of things that you, you might look at when you first approach the Bible, well, I don't see why God did that. I don't understand this. I, I don't understand. I think anybody will be able, to be able to love who they want to love. That's what I believe. I believe a God of love would let everybody love who they want to love. Whether it's man, woman, dog, cat, or what. Love, you know, that's what you might think. But that's not what the Bible teaches. You need to have a readiness of mind. And that's what's wrong with the world today. This is no longer their final authority. You know what's that show? Is this your final answer? This is no longer their final answer. They got another one. Well, I'll make me another translation. Or I'll, I'll just say, uh, you know, something else about it. That's his book, Roll Times Anyway. It's just God's thoughts, those kind of things. And as the generations change, well, you know, the word changes, but his thoughts sort of the same. And so, you know, those guys in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, God didn't burn down that city, not because there were a bunch of homosexuals doing what God commanded them not to do. He didn't do that. He burnt down that city because they weren't hospitable. They did not welcome the angelic visitors that came, and they did not welcome them into the house. Well, don't tell me they didn't welcome because they knocked on the door and invited us to come on out. We want to get to know you guys. Think about it. Think about it. Right? No, 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 no. But people change it to fit themselves. And they change it to fit what they think 
or what they believe. What you can't do that. You must have a readiness of mind to believe what the Word of God says. Somebody say, I believe the Bible. Do you understand all of it? Well, maybe not all of it. Have you fully searched the plums and the depths of Scripture? No, I haven't. I'm still working on it, but I still believe the Bible. I believe it exactly as it's written, exactly what it says. We believe the Bible. Now, notice this. They were more noble. They received the word with all readiness in mind, and they searched. See the word search? Great word for that. Investigate and examine it. They searched it. They searched the Scripture. They investigated. They examined the Scriptures daily. Daily. Not monthly. Not weekly. Daily. Paul, you coming out here talking to us uh, about how Christ has bore the sins for everybody, us Jewish folks, and also the Gentiles? We're going to have to look at that a little bit. And they did. They begin to search the Word of God, investigate the Word that Paul was preaching to them, comparing Scripture with Scripture, thought with thought, this writer, that writer, 40 different writers wrote the Bible, and, and looking at all that and coming with it. You know, Paul's right. How do you know he's right? Because my preacher said, no. Because I've searched the Scriptures and found out it's right. That's why it's right. That's why. They searched and examined investigated Scriptures Daily, whether those things were so. And you need to do that constantly today. You need to do it with everything I say to you. You need to do it with everything anybody and everybody says to you about the Bible. Because there's a lot of wacko nuts out there right now saying the most foolish things I've ever heard in my life. And, and, and some of the people that you and I love, respect, and have honored through the years who have just went nuts more recently than some others. But they've joined the nut crowd. Um, they're all in the same box of Cracker Jacks. They're there. Sometimes you've got to go through the popcorn to get them, but the nuts are there in the bottom of, uh, of, of the box. And so they're there. So you, you better search the Scriptures and find out. Was so-and-so telling you the truth? Not, not because, well, I believe Pastor Bible is an honest man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But don't believe it based on that. You should believe it based on, hey, I saw it where he saw it. I saw it in the Bible. The Bible told me what I believe. Not my pastor. The Bible told me what I believe. Not my favorite evangelist. The Bible told me what I believe. The word of Almighty God told me what I believe. You see, that's where you have to be in your, in your faith and belief. You, you won't fight the things of this world. If you're based on tradition, which some churches are, oh, tradition is so important. So, so very important. The church has said throughout the years. They'll make that statement. The church has taught throughout the years, thus and so. And they'll make those kind of statements. And my, 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 you asked them. Like I did in seminary one time. Well, Professor, have you guys ever considered that maybe the church was wrong? Oh, God, the whole class erupted with, you know, everybody hollering and screaming and throwing dirt in the air and tearing clothes and everything else. Church wrong? Yeah, the church could be wrong. How many in here had never been wrong ever in your life? I don't think it's in any of us, is it? Not any of us. All of us had. And sometimes they would get together in the same church and a bunch of folks get wrong sometimes. We're not any better than any other church, okay? None's ever any better than us either, but we're certainly no better than others. So all of us need to put all of our teaching and doctrine in line with the Word of God and say, what does the Bible say about that? That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going because you've got people telling you all kind of stuff that's just unreal. It's unreal. I heard a, a guy, uh, a young man, I, I've met this guy. I've talked to this guy, and his daddy uh, recently passed away about a year and a half ago now. And he's now pastoring a church in California. I've been to his church and uh, met, met both of them, dad and him. And uh, now he's preaching something contrary, completely different than what his dad taught for all those 40 years in that church. And I heard him say it, and I said, that, that's not so. That's not what your daddy taught us. And I, I went to my bookshelf, and I pulled out one of those paperback books called High Finance, and I... I don't know say who it is. But I pulled out the, the book, looked at it, and said, that's what your daddy taught. Now you're teaching something different today. Now you, you done gone off, you, you know, you were off the reservation. You gone off the deep end. You know, that ain't right. Now, I love you and still do and love your daddy. But your daddy taught us the word of God. And the word of God hasn't changed at all. And as some people have changed in the last few years. Big time they have changed. 
And you need to go back to the Word of God and see what the Bible says. Because it ain't changed. It's still saying the exact same thing that it's always said. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed at all. No, that's what happened. Verse 12. Therefore, many of them believed. Many of them believed. Why did they believe? Paul's preaching. Yes, but they searched what Paul was talking about. And they believe what Paul was talking about because they investigated, examined, and searched the Scriptures. And, and, and then it said of honorable women, Greeks, and men, not a few. Quite a few of them did. They believed the things of God. Not everybody, though. So everybody won't stand on the Word of God. Everybody won't stand in faith in the Word of God. Everybody won't believe the Word of God. But again then, everybody's not going to receive the blessings either. Because you don't get the blessings of the Word of God unless you act on the Word of God, believe the Word of God, and apply it to your life. I mean, there's a lot of places. Tomorrow's Monday uh, around our area that have jobs. But they ain't paying none of us unless we show up at that job to do our work to get paid. Okay? And you're not going to receive the blessings of God that's found in the Bible unless you apply the Bible to your life and you begin to see it happen take place in your life. Now, now let me show you something. Look at Romans uh, 10 and verse 8. Romans 10 and 8. I'm about to bring it to a close. I've got way out of time here. Romans 10 verse 8. So, notice... If you want to receive the Bible into your life, one is search it, investigate it, study it. Again, my theme verse is 2 Timothy 2, 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Study it. You want God to be proud of you? You want God to approve of your life? Then study the Scripture. Study the Scripture. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman. It takes time. That needed not to be ashamed. He's not embarrassed because he don't know what he ought to know. But he rightly divides the word of truth. He knows the Old Testament. He knows the New Testament. He's got them rightly divided. He knows how that works. Okay? So then, first thing we, we do in our life is we read and study the Bible. You got one of those things up here? One of the reading guides? Read. If you don't, that's okay. Read and study the Bible. When you lead today, get you one of these handouts. I have one at home in my three-room binder that I have that I keep. And I check off my verse. Get you one. Start reading it. Start wherever you like. You know, I, I love Genesis. That's the beginning. I start in Genesis. Some people say, no, nah, I started the book of John because the Genesis stuff too hard. Eh. But anyway, I'm going to learn it all anyway, so it doesn't matter. So start in Genesis or start in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start in Matthew. Start reading. Start reading. And this tells us on this particular guy that we have that if you read three chapters a day, I believe it is three chapters a day, if you read that. By the, this time next year when I'm standing here, then you'll say, I read my Bible through last year. And I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to do that. Some of us every morning will pick up the newspaper. That's all right. I don't do a lot of that. Some of us click on the television, read a little, little bit of news. That's okay, too. And I try not to do as much of that as I have. And there's certain things we do. Why not say, I'm going to go into God's Word, and I'm going to read it every single day? Maybe the morning works best for you. Maybe the morning hours. I, I don't know. Junior Alvarez told me the other day, uh, he gets up every morning. I said, what time do you get up? I said, he said, early. I said, what you do? He said, well, I have a cup of coffee, get my Bible out. Read my, well, that's good. I said, that sounds good, Junior. I like that. I might start trying that. I said, what time do you get up? He said, 4.30. I said, no. Nah. 4.30, no. Nah. <laughs> but if you're an early bird and an early riser, yeah, put it in the mornings. And sometimes if you don't do it in the morning, you won't get it done if you wait all day. On the other hand, you, you might be like me, and you just saw the night time after everything's quit, and everybody's cut off, and everything's out, and you can just be before God, and you may enjoy reading at night. I, I, I enjoy that. I do myself. I read a lot of times. I always have. I read. Last thing that happens to me before my eyes fall asleep at night, I've read something. I've read something. I have. I read every night in bed. I love to, to read at night. Some of you may have some other things like I've done over the years. You may have a, a, a quiet time. Uh, at, at some jobs I've had in the past uh, during my dinner break I'd go get me something real quick through the drive through pull over to the park, I used to do this in Greenville and I'd pull over to Cleveland Park pull down there where the creek goes by through the park right there and I'd read my Bible while I ate my fries and got my hamburger and I'd be reading well I had to, you know, I had to get my reading time in where I could and, and I did that or you may have different times throughout the day that you read or maybe the afternoon right when you get home a lot of things, but it, the point is this if you don't make a special time you won't do it you won't do it. And what you've got to determine is me reading God's Word and finding out what He says about my life and my world and telling me how I ought to live it is more important than Facebook and Twitter and your favorite television show. And as the world turns, if it's still turning, I don't know. 
And it's got to be more important than all those things in your life. It's good if you want to read the Bible. Uh, growing up as a child, my dad's no longer with us, of course, but I remember growing up every night, every night. Wasn't saved in anything, but every night he would gather me in the living room and he'd open the big fan of the Bible we had and we would read these three chapters every single night from the time I was about five, uh, about five years old uh, until we were married. I mean, he, he did that. He did that. And I, every night. So it's good to have family devotions, prayer time, other things together like that. But it won't happen if you don't do it. And this is just a little help for you to do it. So, so at least, at the very least, pick up one of these when you leave today. Write your name on top of it. Put a date right there and then start reading. It, it will be habit-forming to you. It will. The first few times will be hard. I didn't understand that word, that one either, this kind of stuff. And I understand that. I've, I've been there and, and, you know, still hit that occasionally. And get you a good Bible. I mean, I've got a good Bible here and I try to stay away from the references my day can tell you reference Bible has, has commentary notes everywhere. I certainly don't do that for, my, for my, this reading. Because if I do, I'm going to hit one of those commentary notes and I'm going to be the next four hours and I haven't got past the second word in verse 1. Because I'm still studying it. There's a time for that kind of study. But there's a time for just building, building quantity of the Word of God in your life. A regular discipline that I'm going to set myself as a disciple, a devoted learner, of the Lord God Almighty, a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to read His Word every day in my life. There's some other things I'm going to do. I'm going to have a prayer time. I'm going to witness. I'm going to do a lot of other things in my life. But I'm certainly going to do that, and I'm going to put that first in my life. Okay? Now, some of you might go, want to go a little bit further, and I do want to mention this to you. If you want to go a little bit further, I've got two things that can help you. You've got that guide right there. I've got right here something called Daily Bread. And this is an app. I download it, and I can check off everything you see right here. And if you've got a, a device... And, and I do. It's called Daily Bread. It tells me how many chapters I've read, how many verses I've read, how many I still like to read. And you can see those check marks are there and some that are not. Right now I'm reading Second Chronicles and uh, chapter 28 is where I'm at. And everything is checked. So this might be a way to help you know where you're going. And Daily Bread is it's download. It's a free app if you've got a, an iPhone or an, a tablet or I'm sure Android has one uh, just like it. There's one other thing I want to mention to you. Then I'm going to let you go. One other thing I want to mention to you. And that is, let me get there if I can make this thing swipe like it's supposed to. You say, I might want to memorize scripture. There's a beautiful application on this free called Verse Locker. Verse Locker. And what you can do, you can put in a verse of scripture, and it has ways for you to copy and paste different verses. Put in a verse of scripture, like here, for example, I've got page one, and I've got a number about 25 something pages in here. But I've got like page one, and the first one, it tells me what it is, it's Jeremiah 33 and 3. And then I've got the King James Version which says, Call to me and I answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's Jeremiah 33 and 3. And so I know the reference, I know the Bible, and I memorize that. And, and, and then the next one, I've got Matthew 21 and 22, and all things what shall you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Matthew 21 and 22. And so I, I can do that, keep doing that for several hundred scriptures right here that I can look through. And I can say, as I got older, it's not as easy to recall those as it used to be. Just shoot straight with it. It's not. But the Lord's been gracious to me and very kind to me to bring through thanks to my remembrance. And I'm so thankful that he does that way too. He said he would. He would bring all things to our remembrance. But this is a great way for you to memorize. called Verse Locker. And you can get this. I, did, I worked in Greenville for seven years in accounting. And it took me 45 minutes to get to work. And so what I determined was this. If I'm going to spend 45 minutes going to work and 45 minutes coming back, I'm going to make that productive time in my commute, in my transit. And so I started memorizing scripture. And the first day was real easy because I memorized the scripture about five or six minutes. I was done. But the second day, I memorized the second scripture and quoted the first. The third day, I memorized the third scripture and quoted the first two. I, I kept on going until I was out of time in 45 minutes. It takes me about 45 minutes to quote 40 scriptures. And I'd quote 40, drop off 10, add new 10. And I kept doing that for hundreds of scriptures during those seven years. And so this, if I'd had this that day, I didn't. I did all mine on typewriter, typed them all out, printed them out and this kind of stuff, and, and did that. But that's one way that helped me memorize scripture. And so do those two things, particularly this day. Do those two things. Read the Bible for quantity. Just keep reading. You may not understand it. You can come back to it later and study it. Understand that. But, but read. Just start building the word on the inside of you. And the more you read, the more you study, the easier it is to understand. It all begins to fit. It all becomes, begins to come together once you understand a few things about the Bible. So, so make a decision. You're going to read the Bible, get your reading guide, or that one I talked about on, online that you can get uh, that I mentioned to you. And then, then also quote some scripture. 
Memorize it. Put it in there. And you say, I have a hard time memorizing things. I understand. But when you activate this memory and you get it used to focusing on memorizing, you can reawaken and bring back some of those things that your mind may have gotten a little dull in, that your mind may have gotten a little cloudy in. And you can sort of make it perk up and, and, and get it alive. Not saying you're going to have the mind that you had of an 18-year-old, whatever, but you can certainly improve your learning ability by using what you've got. You know what? I preach a very, very, very simple message today. Very simple. Not hard at all. And this is my intent. And if I can come back next week, imagine this. If I count all you guys that's here in children's church and other things going on, if I count all you guys and I say, hey, next Sunday we come back again, what if, what if, what if everybody, you know, read three verses in the Bible, three chapters in the Bible every day, and we come back seven days from now, and that's 21, and I multiply that by all of us. So here we've got thousands of verses or thousands of chapters that we would have read between now and then. And what's that going to do for your life? What's it going to do for my life? What's it going to do for you? How is you going to be into the Word of God? It's going to become your best friend. You're going to love it like before. And whenever you have a problem or a trial, you're not going to call up this person or that person. You're going to run to the Bible. It has become your very best friend. You love it like you love nothing else in life. It is on your side and you know it. And you live in the glory of God. All that has its foundation. There's other things that goes with that, okay? Prayer and worship, other things we mentioned. But it all has its starting point, its foundation, right in the Word of God. How many loves the Bible? Somebody say amen. amen. Stand with me this morning. We'll go to the Lord in prayer, and it's God's blessings on us today. God bless you as I've kept you a few minutes longer than I should. But anyway, we're glad you're here in the first day of the week. Thank God for your patience and your kindness. Nobody stood up with a bag of rocks and throwed them at me. But anyway. So God bless you to do. But yeah, invest yourself in the Word of God. Invest yourself in the Word. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time, this opportunity I've had to share with this precious people this day. And Lord God, I recognize, Lord God, what your Word can do in our lives. And Lord, I don't know it all, but Lord, I've seen enough to know, but it really is prosperous in our lives. It really is effective in our lives. And I pray for every single one of us, Lord, to approach the Word of God like we never have before. Every single one of us, Lord God, to run to the Scriptures, Lord God. And, Lord God, to begin to build a scriptural foundation in our life that cannot be shaken. Lord, this old world is, is rising with many false prophets. And, Lord God, is rising with many things, Lord God, that are just so incredible we never thought we would see. Lord God, help us to be founded and solid and planted and rooted in the Word of God. And, Lord God, let us do our part. May your blessing be upon us this day. Pray this prayer with me. Stretch your hands toward heaven. Say, Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Look throughout my heart. In my life, anything you find that's not like Jesus, take it away. Forgive me. Cleanse me of all and any sin. In Jesus' name, I give my life totally devoted unto you. Lord Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And I thank you, Father, for all that you've done, for the word that you have given. And I receive your word, your Bible your holy Bible and I'll dedicate myself to it all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess You are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.